Welcome to Women Express. I am your host, Denise Harrington, and I am thrilled today. I have with me someone who's very dear to me, who's been instrumental in my growth at the company that she works at and has been what I call the navigator of her executive experience and with the executives that she works with. She's very high profile in what she does. I believe she's the left hand and the right hand of the woman that she she is the chief of staff for and she absolutely imbibes all that it means to be the backup to a powerful woman without losing the power herself. I am thrilled to introduce to you today, Megan Kim. Megan, our title of today's talk is A Korean Woman's Unique Experience as an American and an Immigrant, Recognition versus Assimilation. And the way that Megan and I got into this whole conversation, me being an African-American woman and her being a Korean woman in corporate America, oftentimes we feel like we get glossed over. We get noted as diverse, yes. We bring diversity to the table, yes. But no one really takes a look at what makes us different. Because that's what diversity really is all about. And in corporate America, the definition of diversity is a diverse and inclusive workforce help businesses avoid employee turnover costs. That's one thing. But diversity fosters a more creative and innovative workplace. Businesses need to adapt to our changing nation to be competitive in the economic market. But diversity also in the boardroom is needed to leverage a company's full potential. That's why I'm doing this interview with Megan today. Megan sits squarely on the executive level of the company that she works with. Let me tell you a little bit more about her before I bring her on. Megan is the chief of staff for one of my favorite people at Autodesk. She's been working at Autodesk for the last three years and seven months. And as chief of staff of the global sales and success operations business, she's squarely the person that really helps to get the information out and going and keep this organization thriving in the way it does. Not to separate her from the person that she works for, who's a powerhouse in and of herself. These two women, I believe, really make a difference in how this organization functions and thrives. Megan also worked as an account executive in the advertising agencies of RAP. And I think that that experience well prepared her to come on to Autodesk and be a communications business partner and ultimately the person who's the voice of the GSSO organization behind Julie Salkley. I am so thrilled, Megan, to have you. And I think this conversation is one that's essential. It follows up on the other conversation we had with a woman who was very diverse. And I know that in her experience as a Moroccan, as a, a woman of Arab descent, and what that inspired in you in telling your story. So tell us, what is your story? What does it feel like to be a Korean woman, an immigrant, but yet American? You had a great story you wanted to share. Hi, Denise. Thanks for having me, first of all. You know I adore you and I would do anything for you. So uh, thanks for having me today. You know, it's funny because you're one of the few people, I would say, in my lifetime and you know how old I am, so I'm not going to say it on the podcast, but it's been a long life, but you're probably one of three people who have ever asked about my 
story in terms of being an immigrant, being a Korean American. I moved here when I was a toddler, three years old. My parents made the bold move to move their family of six. I have three older siblings to the United States because they had two daughters. I have an older sister, two sons, and they lived in a country where at the time, education wasn't uh, readily available to women. And so they were very worried about their young daughters and their ability to, you know, make it all the way through high school and get into a college and finish that college career. So, you know, I credit my parents for making that decision and deciding to move in the early 70s so that their daughters, not only their sons, but their daughters had a fair chance at a a full and good education. So that was the primary reason we immigrated. And then uh, we ended up in the Midwest. Nebraska, which I have, you know, very heartfelt feelings for because we had family there. So it was, you know, it was good to move and be near family when you're an immigrant and you have a large family, right? So I had a very, very, you know, idyllic childhood, I would say, in the suburb of Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, right. Um, When I tell people that I'm from Nebraska because I don't look like I'm from Nebraska, they're, they're quite surprised and they love to hear that story. But you know, I consider myself a Nebraskan, even though I wasn't born in Nebraska. I consider myself an American, even though I wasn't born in the United States. 98% of my life has been spent in the United States. So, you know, I'm not sure how other immigrants who moved here when they were a baby or, or a young child, if they feel the same way. But I feel like all of my siblings, the oldest of whom was probably 12 when we moved here, we wow. all feel like we're Americans. Wow, that's amazing. I mean, I don't think that, you know, you've, you're from middle America, the heart of our country. I don't think that people kind of see that there's a melting pot of immigrants. There's a melting pot of people who mm-hmm. call themselves Americans, even though their their nationality may be something different. And I think that's how you began to share your story with me about how this whole idea of recognition and what assimilation really means or doesn't mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, growing up in in Nebraska, you know, I mentioned it was very idyllic. You know, I I have such fond memories of it. And people are actually surprised when, when I do tell the story every once in a while, you being probably the third or fourth person to ask me. I never experienced a lot of scenarios where I felt that I was different, right? I didn't feel that I was treated differently because I wasn't born in the United States and that I obviously looked different than my peers in Nebraska. And it wasn't until probably I was an adult in college that I experienced the first, for the first time in my life, um, I might have been 19 years old at the time, where I heard ironically enough, from a very good friend, a very ignorant statement that made me feel all of a sudden very outside rather than inside when it came to my nationality. And it was just, you know, a dear friend that I'm still friends with today. And, you know, we, we did have a conversation about it, but I remember at the time I was taken aback because we were kind of sitting around on the floor. It was, you know, weekend night. We didn't have anything to do just kind of catching up over what's been happening in our lives, you know, as, you know, sophomores or juniors in college. And this good friend all of a sudden just said, you know, I always felt like you were one of us. You're so fun, you know, and and you're, you're just like us. You're just like me. And at the time, I remember thinking, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. Mm -hmm. And I didn't say anything because, you know, I didn't know how I felt about it. But I remember thinking about it 
afterwards, you know, maybe the next day or two. And it really started to bother me. And I couldn't put my finger on it until I realized that she was assimilating me, making me her or her people. And that bothered me. And it was for the first time in my life that I felt like, I think that's racism. You know, I don't think it was meant from a bad place. I'm certain it wasn't meant from a bad place, but racism is based on ignorance. And that was an ignorant statement. And once I kind of processed emotionally what I felt, I went back to my friend and we had this discussion and it was a very good discussion because here's a little microcosm example of how those types of situations can be overcome by communicating. And I expressed to her that I didn't feel good about what she said and the fact that she said it amongst two of our other friends and they were all nodding their heads. And all of a sudden I felt like if I disagreed with her and said, I'm not like you, I'm obviously different than you look at me. I am a Korean American. You know, we were born outside this country. We immigrated here. That story is very different than perhaps your stories who, you know, where you were born an American citizen, where I had to apply to be an American citizen to have the same rights that they were born with. And, you know, she kind of broke down because she had no idea. Yeah. Again, because I knew it didn't come from a bad place. And like I said, we're still friends to this day. But, you know, it was just ironic that it was a friend who made me feel like an outsider for the first time in my life. Well, isn't that always the way that it is? And I so identify with what you are talking about, because in my own experience of college and the places that I've lived and traveled throughout the world and the organizations and the the career that I've had, I've always been the only black woman in the room. And it gets to a place where I have so many diverse you know, friends. I have a lot of friends that are white American and they do, they kind of see you as, wait a minute, you're like us. And the truth is on a basic level, I am, but on another level, my experience is different. I eat different kinds of food, Mm -hmm. you know, and and I remember you saying that, that, you know, I have different kinds of food and we have different kinds of rituals and, and those things make me different. And I'm happy to be included but I also want to be recognized for the difference that I bring to the table. What do you think about that? No, you hit the nail right on the head. I mean, it's one of those things where let's not act like I look like you, that I have the same, you know, ethnic background as you, because we don't. And that's not a bad thing. You know, why is that a bad thing? You know, it's almost like, If you have three or four Americans in the room, I bet you if one's from the East Coast, one's from the West Coast, one's from the South, one's from the island, you know, they all have a different background as well, too, right? But rather than kind of ignoring the back differences because everyone wants to get along, nobody wants to ruffle feathers, I don't think it's a bad thing to recognize the differences. And quite honestly, you don't have to dwell on it, just move on. But to make a statement saying, I feel like you're just like me. It really opened my eyes to this idea of, no, 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 let's take a step. I know I'm different and you know I'm different. Let's acknowledge that and let's move on, you know, but I do not want to be just like you in the sense that, you know, you're a white American who was born in the United States, who was born with the rights that I had to apply for to get those rights. 
That's amazing to even look at it in that direction that I had to apply to get those rights. And mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting. It doesn't have to be a negative conversation. It Mm-mm. does have to be a conversation. And I applaud you for saying, wait a minute, this feels a little weird. I'm going to, I'm really going to bring it up because what happens in that conversation is the other person gets enlightened. The other person gets to see, well, wait a minute, that was a little bit, that was rude on my behalf, or that was ignorant on my behalf. But now, because you were brave enough, Megan, to say, look at this, this is different, and let's talk about it, that created enlightenment. And I think that that process of communication, which is why this podcast is so critical to me, because this podcast is really all about helping people talk about women specifically about the things that make a difference in their lives. And this issue, we say corporate America is all about diversity. Well, that also means that if you are bringing that full potential forward, you've got to give everybody opportunity Mm -hmm. to recognize the differences in that potential. Don't you think? Absolutely. And, you know, I think we hear a lot of this in the corporate world and, and maybe even some of the smaller startup businesses, but this idea of diversity and inclusiveness has become a huge theme to the point where a lot of companies are now creating entire organizations around making sure that diversity and inclusiveness is a part of their company's culture, right? But I think a lot of companies to this day are still struggling with what does that really mean? You know, diversity, does that mean we need to make sure that our, you know, we have a good percentage of people who look differently so that we're not all just, you know, one same looking type of group. And if that's the case, then where does inclusiveness come in after that? If you've achieved, you know, what you might think what diversity is, then where does inclusiveness come in? And I think inclusiveness is the really challenging part. Mm-hmm. And I, I even think we struggle with it. I think we tend to do it better. I, you know, the company that I work with, my opinion is that we do it better than most. But I think, you know, most companies will admit they have a lot of work to do because we're also trying to figure out what does inclusiveness mean? How do you roll out a program that teaches inclusiveness? And when I was reflecting back on this conversation that I had, you know, 20 plus years ago, it might be as simple and as difficult as saying communication. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's simple in the sense that, you know, you can have a communication with anybody, but it's difficult in the sense that it's a very uncomfortable topic. Yeah. And thank goodness it was a topic that you brought up with someone that had accepted you in her eyes, but at the same time, you felt comfortable enough. And it's never comfortable to point out your differences to someone, Mm -hmm. but I think it's amongst friends. And I think that those are the places where you have to have conversations where you say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, you're lumping me in in an experience. I appreciate you wanting to include me, but I, yeah. I don't feel included until you recognize where I come from. Right. You know, it's funny because when I felt the need to have that conversation with my very good friend at the time, you know, in college, I was probably actually even more uncomfortable because she was my friend, to be perfectly honest, because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. Like, think about that immigrant mentality. I didn't want to hurt her feelings by pointing out that I think she said something that was very racist. And here's my opinion as to why I thought that was racist. So I I remember thinking, ah, I really don't want to have this conversation. But at the same time, because I adored her and I loved her, I just wanted to make sure, you know, and I valued our friendship. I didn't want that to be something that was blocking my, you know, 
relationship with her and she had no idea that I was blocking. But it was very difficult because she was such a dear friend. She's such a dear friend, you know. It wasn't until maybe 20 years after that I had my second, you know, blatantly racist, you know, interaction with someone, a complete stranger at a gas station yelling at me as I'm pumping gas into my car, why don't you go back to where you're from? We don't want you here. Uh, um, this was about a year and a half ago. Uh, and it was funny because my first instinct was, well, I'm from Nebraska. <laughs> it's a great place yes. to live, but, you know, I live in the Bay Area now. It's like, what, you know, and, and I realized at when I, those words came out of my, not my mouth, I'm like, oh, he's telling me go back to where I was born. <laughs> I was born in Korea, you know, so that's my mindset is I consider myself an American. I know I'm a Korean American, but I grew up here. And so when that statement was kind of thrown out at me, I mean, I literally said out loud, Nebraska. And I think that person was actually confused by that. But, and then I realized, yeah, right. A split second later, I'm like, oh, he means Korea or Asia. You know, I'm sure he didn't know I was Korean, but he probably thought, you know, go back to Asia. I love that example because I think when people throw out those kinds of things, they have no idea how assimilated, back to that word, we really are mm-hmm. as Americans. No matter where our differences, where, where we immigrated from, we really consider ourselves, you know, like you said earlier, 98% of your life and your life experience is American. Yeah. So there's no place to go back to. I love your response. What do you mean? Nebraska? <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's where my mindset is, you know, and, and the funny thing is there were two other folks that were, you know, at the gas station that heard this exchange. And I'm happy to report that they came to my defense almost immediately. And, you know, I hate to say, it, but I was a little pleasantly surprised. I didn't really expect anybody else to get involved in it. But I think what I didn't recognize at the time was that I might have been physically threatened and I didn't even realize it. But the two gentlemen who came to my defense felt that might happen. So they immediately kind of surrounded me and told the other gentleman that, you know, he should just finish pumping his gas and leave, which I appreciated. You know, like there is chivalry left in the world and and there is some sense of good, you know, in the world. And it took something bad to happen for that example to be real for me. So it, a lot happened in a, you know, 90 second time frame. But, you know, again, it's hard for me to process things that happen like that, that I'm not used to at the moment. So I processed it a day or two later. And I realized that was another very significant moment in my life. Very significant. And I'm, I'm more than thrilled that you're sharing this because I don't think that we, we really have this perspective. It's that recognition versus assimilation and what it really means and where people really are. But if, if you don't have these experiences, then people mm-hmm. can't grow. They can't see outside of themselves. They can't have an experience outside of themselves. I was a really good friend with an Italian guy and you know, he, he, I remember his mom saying, why are you, you know, why are you friends with her? You know, her people grow up in the alleys and, you know, they're all on drugs. And it's like, are you kidding? And mm-hmm. I told this to my mom. My mom was so offended because my parents both worked. So that's a different experience. We came from what we called a middle-class black experience or African-American mm-hmm. experience. But our, 
our parents worked. I mean, I always saw a working mother. I didn't see a mother at home and she couldn't afford Mm -hmm. to be at home. And she was so offended by that because all of her working life and all of my father's working life, they worked to give us an experience that they never had. You know, my mom actually grew up as an orphan. She was in foster care. You know, she wanted her children to have an experience that she never had. And then you add on top of orphan African-American, think about it, who grew up. Yeah. She was born probably in, in the early 30s, 1930s. The bottom line is, is that for her, that was a long walk to the place where she could have her children be educated and to be self-sufficient in the world. So I think sometimes, you know, we have these perceptions of how people really, really are. And it's these hard conversations that actually end up, as I said, bringing enlightenment, whether or not the other person accepts it, who knows if Mm -hmm. the guy at the gas station accepted it. But the truth of the matter is you got to see, you got to see chivalry, which was really beautiful Mm -hmm. to see. And also, I think for those guys and you as well, there was an expanded awareness around, you know what, differences are okay. And not only are they okay, they're essential for America to be what it is. Yeah, you know, in hindsight, you know, there's this pragmatist side of me that said, I wish I had more time with that gentleman who said, you know, go back to where you're from. I really wish I could have told him, well, you do realize I grew up in Nebraska from the age of three. So does that make me more American or less American than you? You know, you have three years ahead of me. Does that make, you know, so at what point do you accept people as Americans versus non-Americans? You know, because in this man's eyes, just because I look differently, I was obviously not American. Amazing. It's amazing. This is a very, very fruitful conversation that we're having today. And And I'm hoping that those that are listening, we're also getting an expanded group of of men that are listening or what we call allies that are listening to Women Express. And I'm hoping that each and every one of you out there stands up for who you are. Stand in the truth of who you are. Share who you are. Don't be afraid if you're different to really share. I mean, under the moniker of woman, there is so much diversity under that. And I would say, begin to express and use your voice to share this diversity and share the differences that we bring to the table, because it only makes the fabric of our lives richer. It really does. And it's important, which is why I wanted to invite you on, Megan. It's important for us as women to educate and to share with the people around us, because you never know the person sitting next to you could be limited in their perspective. And by you sharing, it helps. By you expressing, it helps to expand that wisdom, that knowledge that's so important for us to build the kind of the kind of nation, the kind of relationships that are essential to who we are as Americans. Well, Denise, I didn't even know I had anything to share until you and I had that type discussion, to be perfectly honest. So I want to thank you for kind of elevating this topic because, you know, I can't imagine I'm the only one that has this experience as, as an immigrant who considers themselves American because they grew up here. So, you know, I appreciate you kind of shining a spotlight on this. Well, it's more than a pleasure. It's really 
quite an honor to be with you. And I'm always inspired. I know you kind of go, what, what? But I'm always inspired by you, Megan, your focus, your ability to stand in your power as a woman. And we've worked a lot together on that perspective. And you bring so much power to the table that at some point, I'm going to have to invite you back and ask you, what's it like to support a very powerful woman and be a powerful woman yourself? So there's another conversation between us that I think that we can have. I appreciate it, Denise. And you know, I'll do anything you ask me to do. So <laughs> I've got her wrapped around my finger, you guys. Yeah, she kind of does. That's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. Well, thank you again for coming in and having this podcast conversation with me. I appreciate everything that you do on a lot of different levels. And I welcome all of our listeners to please subscribe, follow, and like us. If you like what you heard today, subscribe and like. And most importantly, because these conversations that we're having on Women Express, like the one with Megan today, is so essential to how we grow and expand as women, share this podcast with your friends. I would say share it. It's as easy as clicking share when you subscribe and send it to other people because that's how the message will get out there. Well, I think we're done. The good news is, I think we've expressed, and I also encourage you, Megan, to go out there and continue your story. Thank you so much. Subscribe and listen and share. That's the big thing to do for us, but also go to www.womenexpress.com, womenexpresspodcast.com. So that's www.womenexpress.com womenexpresspodcast.com. We're going to be having events that are coming up, one-day Women Express events. We're going to be doing some wonderful things in terms of newsletter and podcasts, expanded podcasts. So I really want you to definitely follow us and keep us in mind. If you think that you'd like for me to come and do a speaking engagement at your company, definitely touch base with me, as I said before, www.womenexpresspodcast.com womenexpresspodcast.com. Thank you so much for being with me today. Come on, women, let's express. We had a great time today. What I'd like to ask you to do is to rate us, give us good ones, review and subscribe. And if you love the time you spent with us and loved our speakers, our interviewees, then share this with your friends. Let's collectively Women Express. Thank you for being with me. Bye for now.